0: Oh my god should we start uh sure why not let's do it i don't
1: know i can't think of a reason hi welcome to none of this is real
0: <laughs> it's a podcast for all things mysterious and weird and also do- uh, barking dogs <laughs> barking it's the barking dog podcast welcome i'm doomsday Danini. and i'm sarah sinkhole why did i say it like that? that was. So i don't awful. know why I said it like that <laughs> y'all I am determined this is going to be the
1: last, 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 last episode where there are dogs barking in my background on my end, at least. Because well, yeah. As soon as the floor goes down in that house, the microphone goes over there and no more of these neighbors that do this. Don't do this. Hey, public service okay. announcement. Don't do this. Don't leave your dogs out to bark
0: for if hours. Your dog, if your dog's a demon, don't let it bark for hours outside while we're trying to record a podcast. Thank you, bye. People are trying to podcast. There are a lot of people trying to podcast these days. There really are. So, you never know. So, so if you out there are, are listening to us, if someone out there is hearing this right now, thanks for choosing our podcast out of all the other ones to be part of your repertoire or whatever. Repertoire. Your podcast schedule we appreciate it and we love you we
1: really appreciate you also i want to know if anything mysterious or weird happened to you
0: as of late let's see yes this one actually applies to what we're talking about today um the other Uh day we were yeah we were going through we're purging because we're trying to get everything down to you know the bare minimum of objects so we can move less things when we eventually move up to the mountains Um, Up here! We're we're purging. I'm going to come up there. And that's the only time I can guarantee that there won't be any dogs barking on my end. But there's probably always (laughs) going to be scratching sounds. Because I'm itchy, y'all. It's like histamine problem. I can't help it. Sorry. Anyway, so we were going through our CDs. God, we're already off the rails. And... I was like, first of all, why do we even have any CDs? We we're both like, let's just get rid of all of them. We don't need them. And then we start looking at them and of course you're like, but I want to keep that one. But we should keep this one. So I we had narrowed it down to this little pile of, you know, like burnt CDs that, with nothing on them or you know how some uh, some bands will will make uh, album art or CD art and they don't put their name on or anything. It's just like a little swirly image and you're like, how the hell am I supposed to remember who this is? I'm not going to remember that in 20 years. No. So we had to listen to this stack of of CDs. And one of them just said on it, it was a burnt disc, and it just said, Disclosure Project One. And I was like, okay, I remember receiving this. So if anybody knows me that's listening to this podcast and you gave me the CD, please let me know because I'm a little weirded out. I'm like, how did I get this? I still don't know. I do know how I got another one of the CDs that we listened to, which was some, a hip-hop CD that I accidentally bought when we were in New York City. <laughs> how do you I, accidentally buy a CD? I was doing what you do in a new place. Well, what I do, which is just look at everyone's face and look it up and not pay attention to your surroundings. It's a safety issue I have. A lot of eye contact. And so I was looking up at something and this guy's just like, you want a CD? And he just puts it in my hand and I just take it. And then he's like, you gotta give me some money. And I was like, um, all right, whatever. Sure. (laughs) So I don't remember how much money Lorenzo gave him, but he's like, yeah, you can't say you accidentally bought that.
1: Well, I've, I've done it too. I've done it. Actually, I was, I didn't do it. My friend Kevin did it when we were walking on Venice beach. Like one of the first times I was there, maybe it was like the second time. And, uh, I was like, First of all, don't do that. He did. He gave the guy money. He ended up with a CD. And then I was like, please don't feed the seagulls here. Please don't oh, no. feed them any french fries because they're going to kill
0: you. They're going to come for you. And they he did it, and it was really you. fucking scary. Oh, God. That's worse than paying somebody for a CD you don't want, hands down. I didn't feed any birds in New York City. So, yeah. But anyway, I know I did not accidentally buy the Disclosure Project 1. I think someone gave it What's to What's on me. that CD? Did you listen to it? I will tell you. Yes, I listened to it. And turns out it's a lecture from this cat called Dr. Stephen Greer, who is from Charlotte, North Carolina, and went to App State. Um, he's a biologist and a medical doctor. He's into transcendental meditation. Okay. He, and he founded SETI. He's one of the people that founded SETI and the Disclosure Project which is a non-profit research project whose goal is to disclose to the public the government's alleged knowledge of UFOs, extraterrestrial intelligence, and advanced energy and propulsion systems. So it, they, they they also grant amnesty. They're saying they will grant amnesty to any government whistleblower who is willing to violate their security clearance by sharing insider information. So Can
1: I tell you something? Uh-huh. I thought that's what it was because I've been to disclosure fest is it the same guy I don't know if it's that guy it's the organizer I met and he was a different guy but maybe there's another dude behind it um this was it was a mass meditation and there was a guy that's where I saw a UFO there was a guy there and he was like summoning UFOs and unless he was playing a trick on a bunch of people projecting something into the sky we all saw this little orb like just staying in the same place
0: in the middle of the day it was very weird Maybe he... I, it's maybe hard to it's describe. it's the same. Because this guy, like I said, he's into mm-hmm. transcendental meditation.
1: Yeah, and then we all, at the end of the night, after the whole fest was over, it was really cool. There was all these activities and vendors and things. And at the end of the night, we all went over to this like little hill where they had set up a projector. And we all watched a documentary about that. Like, disclosed the information to us.
0: Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah. well, I don't know where I got this CD, but someone wanted to clue me in on this also. This is years old, too. I've had that CD. It was in a stack of CDs I haven't looked at probably since my son was born and maybe before that. It was just like stuck in a box, stuck on a shelf. So I've been trying to get Jay to get rid of his CDs for years and years,
1: and he won't let him go. So I don't know yep. what's up me with me either, that. Jay.
0: I'm right there with you. I <laughs> had kept a lot of mine. It's fine. Oh, man. Well, this is really... That's really...
1: Um... Relevant. Cool that you found that. It's super relevant. And also, this episode's about to be relevant, because everyone's talking about storming Area 51. Oh,
0: Lord. I'll guys. I'll be over
1: here preparing for doomsday, you guys.
0: Yeah. You know, I'm all for disclosure and governments telling us the truth, and I'm all for, you know... Aliens and stuff like that, but isn't there some other places we should storm before we storm Area 51? Just to storm the streets. Let's just start with the streets. (laughs) Let's get arrested. Let's do something. Okay. Anyway, I'm not going to get on a toadstool.
1: Not yet. Not yet.
0: No, not yet. Later, maybe. What uh, what weird thing happened to you? I can't wait to tell you this. Okay, so...
1: Do you remember a long, long ago in one of our first episodes when a friend of the podcast, Linda, wrote us a story about her holographic ear? Yes, I do remember Linda's holographic ear, yes. Mm-hmm. She, to be clear, she did not say she had a holographic ear. We made that diagnosis. Yeah, but, I think that was um, my theory,
0: yeah. That was Sarah's Sorry, theory. Sorry, Linda. You have be- two beautiful ears.
1: Two beautiful, real, real ears. She had said, in case you haven't heard that episode, she said... She was wearing a stud earring, and I have one like it from the same person who makes these earrings. It's like a little crystal, um, semi-precious raw stone on a post, and you put that in your ear, and you put a back on it, and, it, and it's that simple. It's there in your
0: ear, right? I don't, I don't have pierced ears, but I do know what you're talking about.
1: Okay. Now, Linda wrote us that her earring fell out of her ear, which can happen if the back falls off normally. F- right. That's happened to me. Well, she, it fell out of her ear, and when she looked down, the back was still attached.
0: Right, which is why I said her ear is a hologram.
1: Her ear is a hologram. Well, yesterday, or two days ago, my mom texted me a picture of an earring just like that. She It uh-huh. hers was like a little silver ball with a, a stud. And she said, this is the weirdest thing. This earring just fell out of my ear with the back still attached. What? Your mom so, has a holographic ear also. My mom also has a holographic ear. So I looked it, it up. I was looking it up on like Reddit and on the internet a couple different <laughs> searches. And I was like, is this a thing that just happens to people? There must be some kind of explanation, like logical explanation. No, there's nothing. No one's talking about it. If you look <laughs> it up, it's just, it's just like
0: earring backs for sale or whatever. It's not anything. Hmm. Let's see. Let me think. Let me think on this one for a second. If it's not that How your ear's the a hologram. How does that happen? Maybe your ear hole, like your piercing hole, just is way bigger than you think it is. I don't know. It got stretched out.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I've thought about that too, but I just know that they have normal ear piercings like I do. They have normal so I've holes. Seen
0: them. They got regular holes, y'all. I don't understand, what? so someone please explain it to me, please. Someone's selling faulty holographic. Earrings. Maybe it's the earring. It's a big earring. Conspiracy. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> That's I crazy know. though.
1: But maybe it has to do with our topic. It's probably because yeah. yours it's always that. was kind of related to our topic. So maybe people's ears are becoming holograms because of
0: alien abductions. They got abducted and they got their human ears replaced with holograms. Oh my Sorry. goodness. That's Sorry, exactly Linda and Kathy, to break it to you. Y'all were yes. abducted and you don't even know. That's actually what my story is about. It's about holographic ears. Just kidding. I wish it was. <laughs> <It's not. laughs> I was going to say, whoa, this Excuse is Excuse me, what? Square.
1: Oh, we have one more thing before we get into our alien abduction stories, though. Right? Oh, yeah. Why don't you have a little surprise? Are you, wait, are you reading a review? Oh, that's me. It's me. <laughs> I'm doing a thing. Okay. Let me do this thing. Oh, God. I think I just, I think I might have closed that window.
0: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what are we going to do?
1: I absolutely
0: If do we weren't so stubborn and hard-headed, we would have given up already.
1: <laughs> here, I have it right here. God, I can't believe I did that. We got a very lovely review, and I want to read it to the world. And um, we'll probably just keep reading people's reviews as we get them until we're so so popular that we can't keep up with them but for now we can and every time we get a nice review a five-star review we we just our heart grows two sizes like the grinch
0: yeah i think it was three sizes but three sizes (laughs) yes it's true i i want to like i will say this i used to be in a band with my sisters and um a, a bunch of other people there's a lot of people in this band and it my whole thing about playing music is same same thing with podcasting. If I can make someone feel one tenth of what my favorite musicians or podcasters make me, if I can make you feel one tenth of how happy the McElroy brothers make me, or you know my favorite murder, whatever we're into, that's more than I could ever have asked for. Like it, it just it it warms the cockles of my cold dead heart, as you have said. Hmm. And it warms, it warms mine too.
1: And so I'm going to read you this. It is from Puppy Pale. And I like that name. That's cute. And they say, first of all, they left five stars. Thank you so much. Thank um, you. That's, that's all we're accepting right now.
0: That's all the stars <laughs> that you can leave.
1: <laughs> they say, I love listening to Sarah and Damini. Hope I spelled that right. Banter back and forth. They make you feel like you're in the room with them. They talk about serious topics without it being too heavy, and their jokes are adorable. Thank you so much for
0: brightening up my day! Oh Oh my god, God. Puppy Pale, the fact that you say that I brighten up your day is just. I'm gonna cry. (laughs) (laughs) I wish.
1: Puppy pale. I wish you could see Sarah
0: squeezing her own face. I'm just squeezing my own face in ecstasy because it makes me so happy. Seriously, thank you so much. We appreciate you. We it do. It is so exciting that you like Woo-hoo. us. Thank you.
1: Oh, I was going to do a theme song for the... I forgot beforehand, but I guess we could do it now. I was going to do a little theme song for whenever we read a review. Like Oh, we
0: got a jingle. We
1: got a review like jingle, a jingle. Going? Yeah. Like a... Like, we got a review. Somebody likes us. <laughs> How do you? How's that? That's good. I
0: like it. <laughs> okay.
1: That's we got a
0: review. Somebody, somebody likes, likes us.
1: us. <laughs> there you go, everybody. We'll try to remember that oh. next time.
0: Okay. All right. Well, I think I'm going first, yeah? If there's no other business. Um, I don't have any business. I don't have any corrections. Okay. Okay. Let's do it.
1: <laughs> okay. I am gonna tell you of an alien abduction story. It's a very famous one. And it's the story of Whitley Stryber, who wrote a book called Communion about his abduction experiences. Good Whitley. Okay, so my sources are this really great YouTube video called Whitley Stryber recounts his abduction experiences. Oh, that's convenient. And it also includes the abduction experience of this other woman that really freaked me out and oh, it no. made me really never want to get abducted by aliens, y'all. <laughs> and Some people joke about it and they're like, oh, please abduct me. No. Have you ever heard a real abduction story, y'all?
0: <laughs> no, thanks. I'm good down here on the hellish uh, landscape that it is planet Earth. And then I
1: also have another source. It is the book itself, Communion, by the man himself, Whitley Stryber, which... I have not finished the book. I'm about halfway through, but I have a quote that I'll read you from it. Okay, cool. So, I will begin. Whitley Stryber is an American author who was born June 13th, 1945, which means he's a Gemini. And he has opposite moon and rising from you, Sarah. He has a Leo moon and a Gemini rising. Okay. Good for him. Is that important to aliens? I don't know. I mean, well, the, all the Gemini makes me think the that's good for him being an author. Okay. So, anyway, at the time that he began to experience visitations in the fall of 1985, he claims that he had, quote, no opinion about UFOs or alien abductions. And he says he, quote, probably would have scoffed at anyone who said they had been abducted by aliens. And okay. also at that time, he was already a well-known fiction writer. Hmm. Mm -hmm. so there's some info okay at the time of Stryber's first encounter he was spending a weekend in an isolated country cabin in upstate New York with his wife and son the property was next to about 15,000 acres of state-owned forest and not visible on any map so they were super off the grid way out there
0: that sounds awesome
1: yeah it sounds cool to me it was December 26th, and the family had just spent Christmas at the cabin together. Aww. Aww. In the months prior to this day, Schreiber had become obsessive about locking up the house before bed. He had become paranoid. He had stalled an alarm system. He would check under the beds and in closets before going to sleep at night um, because he had this lingering feeling that someone was in the house. So, that was happening a few months before, and then later that night, on the night of December 26th, which is also Boxing Day in Canada, he awoke to a whooshing sound and tried to convince himself that it was the dishwasher, because he'd activated the
0: alarm system before bed, so he thought it couldn't be any people or anybody. Right, he checked all the nooks and crannies, and the alarm was on. Yeah. Logical. It's the dishwasher.
1: So... He says he became aware of a presence at the bedroom door, and before he could do anything, he blacked out. And when he was conscious again, he says his body was paralyzed, except for his eyes, he could move his eyes around, and that he found himself sitting in a carved-out sort of indentation in the ground by the forest. Shortly after, he had the feeling of going up in a fast elevator, and he could see the tops of the trees whipping by, followed by something closing up underneath him and obscuring the trees.
0: Okay, scary. Cool. The very
1: odd sensation.
0: Yeah, for some reason, the laying in an indentation outside the forest is like the creepiest part of that for me. Not the getting sucked up, the other part. That's just, okay.
1: Yeah, it gives me the willies. He says he found himself in a room, and he described it as a little bit messy with an odd smell, like cheese, and one and one of the things I already said, it kind of smelled like cheese. <laughs> it
0: smelled like cheese.
1: I knew aliens love cheese. See, because the, the moon's made of cheese. This listen to oh my our god, oh my god, moon landing episode, y'all. Full circle square again, moon <laughs> Dookie. <laughs> um, he said there were beings darting around, and that one of them told him that she was going to perform an operation. He oh. protested, but. It As started before he really knew what was happening. So the operation kind of just happened. It's not like he had any kind of ability to stop it. Um, he said that the being inserted a long needle into his head. Oh, and that God. A, yep. I'm going to throw and up. And here's your favorite part. This is going to be your favorite part. A metal contraption with something like feelers coming out of it uh-huh. was inserted into his butt.
0: Oh, no, not the probing. Actually, I'd rather be probed in my butt than a giant needle stuck in my head. I don't have, as I mentioned earlier, my ears aren't pierced. I don't have a tattoo. It's a family lineage uh, to be afraid of needles. And it's not even afraid. I'm not scared of needles. It's just involuntary. I can't help it. I just get super Mm -hmm. grossed out at the thought of something going into my body.
1: Is it kind of like if I see a cockroach and I just start involuntarily screaming and
0: acting like I'm dying? Yeah, except I just will like feel super woozy and probably like laugh hysterically and then maybe pass out after you give me the shot Oof. and fall face first into the floor and chip my tooth and break my glasses. <laughs> you know, that kind of okay. stuff. Yeah. It's totally normal. Exactly. No- yeah. That's what that is. So yeah. So anyway. Sorry that you got your butt probed, Whitley, but I'm more worried about your needlehead.
1: And he said there are more hazy details, um, that, but Stryber remembers some details later. So he, he kind of remembers some of these things upon waking up, tries to tell himself it's not real, tries to convince himself that, um, cause he, he woke up in his bed. He blacked out at some right. point, woke up in his bed. And he tried to convince himself that he'd had either a vivid dream or he was undergoing some sort of psychosis. And he tried to put it out of his mind. And he says he kept having a memory of something going by the window. And he had a memory of an owl being outside the window. And he Mm. says it didn't ever quite feel right. Like he thought it was a screen memory. Like you're meant to forget these things. And sometimes that they'll put other memories there for you to focus on instead of what happened.
0: Right, that's some very X Files, yeah, type of shit. And this was pre X
1: Files, so you know, sure. maybe, maybe they got some inspiration from old Mister
0: Stryber. They definitely did.
1: None of some of it didn't feel quite true. It felt really weird. He wasn't sure if he was going crazy, so he went and saw um, Dr. Donald Klein, who was a professional hypnotherapist. And the full story emerged during the the sessions, and he knew that there was no owl. And in this book, Communion, he includes the word-for-word, word, unedited transcripts of these sessions. And they're really, they're super fascinating. Um, it's really clear if these are indeed word-for-word word that Dr. Klein isn't leading him or steering him because he says, in the book he said, there is like scientific proof that you can mislead a person while they're hypnotized. You can oh, get yeah, them to totally. come up
0: with memories that... Um, Aren't really there, satanic panic. That's exactly what happened. Uh,
1: So yeah, you can lead people to thinking that they're uncovering memories if you guide them the wrong way during a hypnosis. But these questions are super straightforward, very much like plain Jane questions with no mention of certain things. I mean, you just have to read them, right?
0: Okay, so I will take your. I trust your judgment. Maybe.
1: And it's pretty cool to listen to anyway, or to read. So during the sessions, another memory surfaced from earlier that same year. So it was October 4th of, what did I say, 1985? (laughs) That sounds right. Sure, let's go with that. Yep, it was October 4th. I couldn't remember if it was 85 or six for a second. October 4th, 1985. It seemed that he had been visited prior to the December 26th event, but he didn't have any memories about it until... That session. So it seemed to explain why Stryber had been so paranoid in the months leading up to the December encounter, why and why he'd installed an alarm and checked under the beds and whatnot. That fits the story. Yep. So in the in the memory that was uncovered from October 4th, he recalled waking up in bed to an alien figure who touched his head with a wand. The wand oh. had an electric current running through it. And when it touched his head, it caused Whitley to have terrifying visions that almost seemed like warnings or premonitions, like loved ones dying the end of the world. In this case, oh, no. there were some witnesses.
0: Okay, so he got cattle prodded by an alien in the head. Cattle prod to the head, then he had some visions.
1: And got it. so there were two witnesses. Two of his friends were staying the night at the cabin, and they remembered hearing a loud bang and seeing a really unnatural bright light that couldn't have really been from anything else. They couldn't explain this bright light. And when they stepped out into the hallway, Whitley was there, and he told them not to worry, and everybody went back to bed. So there was something that happened that everybody witnessed in the house. Yeah, really weird. And so also while under hypnosis, Whitley spontaneously flashed to a time when he was riding on a train with his dad. This was another memory. And he started to talk about um, being on this train and the the hypnotist asks, how old are you? And he says, 12. And so this is going, he goes back pretty far. And I think this is like 1967 or something when he was 12. He had been extremely ill. He'd been vomiting for hours on a trip from Wisconsin to San Antonio. And he felt that He had a vivid memory of a wolf from that train ride that he had seen like out the train window, I think. And that he thought that might be another screen memory. And he also started to question another vivid memory from that trip, which was seeing the train from above. He says in the book, he's like, you know, I always thought those things were like because I was so violently ill that I was seeing things or dreaming, having weird fever dreams. But then he, that, that came up in hypnosis. So the hypnotherapist instructed Whitley not to research UFOs or alien abductions during his session. So he did not. Um, but after the sessions were complete, Stryber found that the area that he lived in, where the, the, where the cabin was, they had a lot of reported activity, and he found many accounts from people who described similar encounters. So it's kind of strange
0: for him obviously. (laughs) Uh, Yes, that would be strange. So
1: basically, you've got to read the book for a lot, a lot of details because I'm giving you the abridged version so that this episode is not two days long. But essentially, he describes going to the hypnotherapist and just kind of uncovering more and more memories. And then after the sessions are finished, he looks back into his past and he thinks about um, all of these times when something wasn't quite right. And he thinks maybe he's been visited all his life because one of the ones, one of the experiences that he had that really freaked me out was he, it was when he was in college and mm-hmm. he was sitting on his couch with a TV dinner, he said. And mm, it was about noon. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was the TV dinner that induced all of this? I don't know. <laughs> Probably. But he had the TV dinner and he saw that it was 12 p.m. and he did something like maybe he went to turn on the TV. I can't remember. It's something. Some little thing happened, and all of a sudden, he realized that the TV dinner was on the table next to him, and that Mm -hmm. it was 2 p.m. Like, no time had passed. He was losing time. And then that same day...
0: It's 2 o'clock.
1: Yeah. Just blink of an eye, it's 2 o'clock. And then he says it happened again. He walked over to the sink because he said he was really, really thirsty, and so he was standing at the kitchen sink. And all of a sudden, boom, it was... The sun was setting. And that happened another time. I do not want that to it happen to me. He said it was nighttime, and then and then he said it was two a.m. So like this happened four times in the in a day. He just lost time. He would be standing somewhere, and all of a sudden it would be dark outside. Like that. I mean, that really Whoa. what the hell?
0: <laughs> yeah. So blah, he tells of a few experiences I like that, feeling.
1: that are like that. Throughout the book, like I said, he, he recounts more experiences that he continued to have in the cabin, and also, like I said, strange events from the past. So after these memories were uncovered, Whitley Stryber decided that, you know, he wasn't going to be afraid anymore, and that he was going to do his best to communicate with the visitors in some way if they returned, because it's like, what are you going to do? You're paralyzed anyway.
0: Right. Might as well try to talk to him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. In the interview that I watched, he said that he would, like, try to smile even though it was paralyzed, and he could tell that they were getting the message that he wasn't going to do the, mean them any harm. Mm-hmm. So he started meditating in the cabin as well, just trying to be like, Okay, what do you want? I'm going <laughs> to... I'm working with you here. I'm going to meditate so, on that. Right? Like, how... What else
0: would you do, I guess? I don't know. Move. Move away.
1: Well, they had an apartment in New uh-huh. York City, so... When he went there, he didn't have any strange experiences. It sounds like it was just at
0: the cabin. Go back to the city.
1: Yeah. But he says he enjoyed being at the cabin after after he kind of made peace with these things and that he started, like I said, meditating. But then in 1994, the family had to sell the cabin for financial reasons. And on their very last night there, Whitley uh, was meditating with the intention of seeing the beings as they truly are. He said, I want to see you as you truly are. And he said he felt a presence in the room but he didn't see anything and he went to bed he was very disappointed but later that night he woke up and he saw a magnificent bright light outside in the front yard he felt that the rays penetrated his body and he says it was an extraordinary experience all right that sounds extraordinary pretty pretty crazy and you know i have decided that i believe him but Okay. For a little bit, I was like, oh, I don't know. He was already a fiction writer. Like, maybe this was just a stunt. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. It doesn't sound like a fiction, a work of fiction. It it sounds like someone trying to gather up all these crazy jumbled details of their life. Like, if you were going to write a story, I think it would be more organized. It would be more like a buildup and then a cliffhanger. And, you know, it's not written like that at all. And it's just some of it is like... Those little details that you wouldn't think to add if it was a lie. Do you know what I mean? Like, really weird mundane yeah, shit. Yeah, I could see that.
0: Unless you're just, like, a
1: really good fiction writer. So maybe I should read one of his other books and compare the two, but... Yes. Exactly. Yeah. This is, this is what helped me think that he's... First of all, I want to believe people. Like, if someone says something crazy and traumatic happened to them, even if... Maybe it's something their brain is doing or maybe it's not an actual real alien. They're still having that experience. So I'm inclined to believe you say you saw a ghost. You say you got really scared. You say that you were abducted. Okay, who the fuck am I to say that you didn't? I don't know. So maybe I was right. abducted. You, heard, If you listen to our last random weirdness. You are an alien. In 1986, this is what helped me kind of go to the side of I think he might be telling the truth he had some testing done so he underwent testing for temporal lobe epilepsy which is one of the things that they said it might be because that can cause hallucinations and things like that so he wanted to know he was like is something wrong with me and those tests came back showing no evidence of that condition Um, an MRI scan in 1988 showed no abnormalities in his brain In 1986, 87, and 88, he took polygraph tests that showed that he was telling the truth, or he at least believed he was telling the truth. That's what I was going to say. He believed he was telling the truth. I mean, you can pass a polygraph test if you believe that you're telling the truth. Right. Which means maybe you're telling the truth, or you just convince yourself. So there's that. And then the last thing is that psychological tests... In 1985 and 1999 indicated that he appeared to be a normal functioning, psychologically functioning adult, just undergoing stress like everyone is. So super normal. Um, and if, you, Human if condition. you watch an interview with him, he seems like, I don't know, I don't see any tells that he's lying. Maybe you turkey buzzards can look if you're like... Um, micro, if you're an expert in micro expressions or something, you can watch the interview and let us yes, know. Yes, please I do. Don't. I would love that. So I will ask you the all time favorite question of everybody.
0: Is any of that real? Um, you know, like when you say that you're inclined to believe someone when they say something happened, I'm inclined to respect that they believe something happened. But I'm also, my second inclination is to immediately come up with a reason that that thing has happened to make them feel better. Like, it's not like, oh, no, that didn't happen to you. It's like, yeah, it could be that terrifying thing or it could be something, like, normal and not that terrifying. And I would love for it to be this not terrifying option for mm-hmm. your benefit.
1: Well, that's very sweet of you. And I think he did that for himself. It sounds like if you read the whole book, he, he's constantly, oh, I wanted to read you one thing, too, before we go on, but... He constantly questions, like, it could be this, it could be that. Um, He goes into all these theories, like, maybe it could be our own dead. Like, maybe it's my brain. Maybe
0: it's this. Maybe he didn't really want it to be visitors. So. Right, right. Yeah, it sounds like he really went through all the options. I mean, I would say, like, you know, what I thought of was sleep paralysis, just anxiety and You know, because an MRI can look at your brain and say there's nothing lumpy or gross or rotten in there, but it can't tell you what your chemicals are doing. So, you know. Yeah. Like like we always say, your brain is terrifying and really awesome, but also fucking terrifying. (laughs) And actually, one of his
1: theories is, um, he says... Perhaps something very real had emerged from our own unconscious minds, taking actual physical form and coming forth to haunt us. Maybe belief creates its own reality. So that was like one of his theories that his brain made That's it That's trippy. That collectively.
0: That's some Terrence McKenna level shit.
1: And this is a description of one of the beings by Whitley. And you'll notice earlier I said she, and this is because he he thinks the one that he was dealing with the most was he had a feminine um vibe from her so he said that night at the cabin i found myself thinking about the one i knew turning her presence over and over in my mind she had those amazing electrifying eyes the huge staring eyes of the old gods they were featureless in the sense that i could see neither pupil nor iris she was seated across from me her legs drawn up her hands on her knees her hands were wide and when placed flat narrow and long when dangling at her sides. There was a structure, perhaps of bones, faintly visible visible under the skin, and yet other parts of her body seemed almost like a sort of exoskeleton, like an insect would have. She was undeniably appealing to me. In some sense, I thought that I might love this being, almost as I might love my own anima. I bore toward her the same feelings of terror and fascination, that I might towards someone I saw staring back at me from the depths of my unconscious.
0: Whoa, dude. I mean, it's pretty crazy. I don't want to see that by my bed ever. Nope, I'm good, thanks, I'm good.
1: Hey Sarah, you know what? What? With so many CBD products on the market nowadays, it's really hard to know what to choose. Oh my god, it's like so hard. Well, I chose the best one. It's Green River Botanicals because they offer high-quality, high-potency, full-spectrum tinctures made from CBD hemp grown right on their farm. They also offer topicals. Every step of the process, from the greenhouse to the final product, is done with care and transparency. Lab results for each product are available on their website so you know exactly what you're taking. And not only are they conscious about your well-being, they make the environment a major priority. That I like. Yes. I will not
0: be smarty pants about that.
1: All of their packaging is sustainable from recyclable glass bottles to plant based labels and for every item sold they donate a tree to be planted. A
0: tree? How cool! A tree! They also have topicals which you use. That's right? what I got. I got a topical. I'm, I'm going to tell you something topical about the topicals. I got the Herbal Healing Salve and not only does it smell good. And it doesn't make your glasses all smudgy when you touch your glasses with your hands because it (laughs) absorbs right into your skin. But it really works. I have all kinds of things wrong with my hands. I've got cysts in my joints. I I think I'm getting arthritis because I'm getting old. Um, But I rub it on my hands every morning and the swelling goes down and my joints feel like I can, you know, do stuff again. That's awesome. It's pretty great. I like it. I love it.
1: I use the CBD Tincture. And I've, you know, I've always had, like, I have a hard time sleeping since I was a kid. Mm, Yeah, I do know about that. Mm -hmm. I feel that. You were there. Mm -hmm. Well, now I take a little bit of that at night, and it totally calms my anxious brain. that won't stop thinking, and I fall
0: asleep. It's so amazing. I love it. That is amazing. Sounds great. So if you're looking for a reliable CBD product from a company that cares about you and, more importantly, the planet, go to GreenRiverBotanicals.com and use the promo code NOTREAL. That's GreenRiverBotanicals.com. Promo code NOTREAL, N-O-T-R-E-A-L, one word, y'all, for free shipping on your first order. You're welcome. You're so welcome.
1: Okay, so what alien
0: abduction story do you have for me? I am going to talk about Travis Walton, who also wrote a book about what happened to him, which was called Fire in the Sky, and I haven't read that. Oh, Fire in the Sky! Yeah, and they made it into a movie, too, but I did read... This comes directly from uh, TravisWalton.com and RationalWiki.org. From the horse's mouth, as they say, or from his website. From the horse's website. From the horse's website, TravisWalton.com. All right, so, um, the, on the morning of Wednesday, November 5th, 1975... Seven men were working at the Apache Sitgreaves National Forest. They were tree thinning, and they had, uh, which is, I guess you're just spacing smaller trees so they grow faster. Some tree shit. And they were, it was a big, a big contract that they had to fulfill by a certain time, and it was a lot of money. Big deal. So... They had done their tree thinning for the day. They'd thinned all the trees for that day. They filled the tree thinning quota. <laughs> and it was about 6.10 p.m. They were driving home in a pickup truck. when, all, And all the seven guys were in the same truck, as far as I know. So they're driving. He looks over and he sees a light coming through the trees to the right, about 100 yards in front of them. And he, at first he thought it was headlights or maybe a light from a fire because people camp out there and hunt and stuff. He said, a yellowish brilliance washed across the road. And he didn't say anything at first, because, like I said, he just thought it was some normal source. So they kept driving, and when they passed inside of it, they looked through the trees, and one guy said, it looked like there was a crashed plane hanging in a tree. A screen Which memory? Is... Ooh. So he said it was pretty spooky. So they, sh- um, they shut off the engine, and they just stopped the truck in the in the road. And they stared at what they describe as a strange golden disc hovering silently 20 feet above the road. It's a, here's a direct quote. Suddenly beholding its vivid, magnificent structure summoned all emotions at once. So it was some intense stuff. It was, like I said, stationary and hovering well below the treetops near the crest of a ridge. And they could clearly see it. So he estimates that it had an overall diameter of 15 to 20 feet, 8 or 10 feet thick, a flattened disc like two pie pans, lip to lip, with a small, round bowl turned upside down on the top. So classic flying saucer imagery here. The dim, yellowish light given off by the surface had the luster of hot metal. There were no visible antennas or protrusions, nothing that resembled a hatch, no windows, no motion, no sound, it just hung there doing nothing. So they're all freaked out. But Travis Walton decides to get out of the truck and go over there because he's a Looney Tune, I guess. He's got curiosity killed the cat, as they say, or the horse in this. Well, or some <laughs> people in some of the things, um, in
1: some of the things I've read and watched, they ha- they like know that it's scary, but they're drawn to it anyway.
0: Yeah, I don't know what this guy was thinking. I hmm. guess he was drawn to it. Because all the other guys, all the other six dudes, were like, "No, don't do that. What are you doing? Stop." I'm with those guys. Yeah, me too. On that team, wholeheartedly. So he stopped about six feet from being directly beneath the machine. Here's another direct quote. Bathed in the yellow aura, I stared up at the unbelievingly smooth, unblemished surface of the curving hull. I was filled with a tremendous sense of awe and curiosity as I pondered the incomprehensible mysteries possible within it. So, as you could tell... These direct quotes are very flowery and, uh, it almost reminds me, and no offense to Travis Walton, not everyone's a great writer, but it almost reminds me of, like, the way that I wrote stories when I was younger and I would just put all the words I could think of in there. <laughs> oh, yeah, we should read some of our
1: old high school writings. Those would be really interesting. <laughs>
0: oh, God, no. No one needs to ever revisit that. So, He's standing under it. He's filled with awe. La la la. He starts to notice a sound, like a blend of low and high-pitched machine sounds. Like a high-piercing, beeping points over top of a low-rumbling sound. And then it swelled in volume, like a buttload of turbine generators. And then the saucer started wobbling, and a bright blue-green ray shot from the bottom of the craft. Um, all of a sudden just he said he just felt a numbing blow like, like like being electrocuted. There was a sharp cracking popping sound that he felt in his head and chest and then he was paralyzed couldn't feel or see anything. so and the, so there's still the six dudes in the truck watching this happen. So they see his body arch backwards his arms and legs are outstretched and and he's hurled through the air and hits the ground and then just lays there. So, here's where in my notes I start to get f- pissed off. <laughs> here we go. So, so here's my here's my 8th grade way too many words rant about what has happened here. I wrote, "Then these six lily-livered, yellow-bellied, craven little chicken shits <laughs> just they just drove away into the night and left left him laying there motionless and at the mercy of assholes from another planet that's messed up um thanks friends or whatever i can't call you friends anymore so they Mm -hmm. keep driving and they had to stop to go over something in the road and they just kind of sat there for a second thinking like what are we doing oh no and you would think that that is the point in the story where they decide to turn around but no they just go yeah let's just keep going for a little longer So they got another mile down the road before the guy driving had a change of heart and told the other five that they could either get out of the truck and wait there for him or they could ride with him because he was going back. This took you long enough. Jesus. So they went back to the spot where they thought it happened and searched for Travis. Quote, behind every log, bush, and stump, there were... There were no signs of anything, no foreign objects, no unusual markings, no burns, impressions, or disturbed ground, no evidence of a struggle, nothing. And they were calling his name and, you know, it sounds like they tried pretty hard to find him. So when they didn't, eventually they were like, well, shit, we got to go get help. So they get in the truck and they drive back to town. So while this is all happening, we're going to flash back up to Travis. He says he was lying on his back unable to move or open his eyes. He had a weird taste in his mouth. He was really thirsty. Everything... He was all trembly and full of emotions and felt really sick. He was laying on a raised table with a triangular like, sort of pyramid ceiling that had a big light fixture hanging down. And it was very hot and humid and smelled like cheese. Just kidding! (laughs) I was gonna say, oh my god, it's real! It's cheese! The cheese connection! the cheese connection that's my next band everything smells like cheese when there's aliens i was gonna try to sing the rainbow connection about cheese but see what happens if i try to (laughs) sing that song is i'll just start crying uncontrollably so i'm not gonna (laughs) do it (sighs) jim henson really gets me every time okay it's it smelled stale and monkey so and when he looks down and he sees that his shirt and jacket have been pulled up and his, his tummy and his boobies are hanging out. And there was a device across his body that was four or five inches thick, extended from his armpits to right above his belt, and curved down the middle on each side of his ribcage, made of shiny dark gray material. Then he saw the aliens. So I'm going to get back into the verbatim quote here. I was looking squarely into the face of a horrible creature. It looked steadily back at me with huge, luminous brown eyes the size of quarters. I looked frantically around me. There were three of them. I struck out at the two on my right, hitting one with the back of my arm, knocking it into the other one. The muscles of its puny physique yielded with a sponginess that was more like fat than Mm. sinew. (laughs) Spongy fat aliens. Alright, so I'm gonna describe them a little more now. They were under five feet tall, with a basic humanoid form. Two legs, two arms, hands with five digits, a head with the normal human arrangement of features, but that's where it ends, because they were covered with white, marshmallowy-looking flesh so pale it looked chalky. Tiny, little, soft, ivory-looking hands with fingers that were unwrinkled, hairless, and with no fingernails. Now he gets a little insulting, I said. They had bald, bulging, oversized craniums, disproportionately large for their puny bodies. He's body-shaming the aliens. Uh, He seriously is, and I'm not cool with that. So, more more insulting. Small jaws, thin lips, a narrow mouth, tiny crinkled earlobes, and tiny round noses with small oval, oval nostrils. They looked like infants, except their eyes were twice the size of human eyes. And which is funny because right. I just learned and I can't remember the word for it for what there's like a chemical reaction in your brain when you see an animal or anything with big eyes because it makes you think about a baby because baby's eyes are big and then you like release this hormone where you're like, oh my God, I think it's so cute. But <laughs> I guess that doesn't work with aliens. <laughs> it doesn't sound like you thought it was cute. No, no, no. It's not working this time. All right, now we're going to get down to the um, very detailed description of the alien's fashion choices. He gets a little bit a little bit uh, catty oh, with boy. it here. Yes, they had on single-piece coverall-type suits made of soft suede-like material, orangish-brown in color. No buttons, zippers, or snaps. No belts. Just a loose, billowy garment gathered at the wrists and perhaps the ankles. They didn't have any kind of raised collar at the neck. They wore simple pinkish tan footwear, and they had very small feet. I have one question. Did their outfits have pockets? He doesn't say, but I'm going to probably say if aliens have the technology to go to a different planet, then all their clothes have so many, all the pockets. Okay. <laughs> right? Just now that we have that cleared up. <laughs> yes. I feel, like, I feel like an advanced civilization has got so many pockets. They've got to have. I got a pocket for my probe, a pocket for my cattle prod, a pocket for my lube. A pocket for my cheese. Oh, of course you gotta have a cheese pocket. Sorry, please go. So, okay, all right. You're fine, you're fine. So, um, naturally, after looking upon these hideous creatures, he said it, not me, he freaks out. And he jumps off the table, and he grabs a glass beaker, and then, like, you know, in a bar fight, Scene, like tries to smash it to so a stab him. <laughs> it gets all bar fighty, and um, it doesn't break, probably because it's alien glass. So, the whole time that he's doing this, the aliens just stand there and don't say anything, and then they just abruptly turn around and run out of the room. I guess maybe he scared them. Oh. <laughs> aliens have feelings too, guys. Come on, seriously, it's 2019. Okay. So he lays there and he's like, all right, I scared, I scared the aliens away. i I guess maybe I'll just wait for them to come back. But no, he decides that he's going to just go out a different door than they went out of on the other side of the room. And he enters a room with one single chair with a very high back. And he goes over to the chair and as he approaches the chair, the walls of the room start to light up in like different points of light. Like he's looking like all over the room which sounds pretty rad. I wish that would happen when I went into my rooms. Um, There were controls on the chair, like a short lever and illuminated lime green screen with lots of black intersecting lines and approximately 25 colored buttons arranged in rows with no visible markings. So, you know, as you do, this madman just starts pushing buttons. What? What are you doing? Trevor. Trevor. I don't know. Travis.
1: Trevor, Travis, whatever your name Travis, is.
0: Travis, Travis, Trevor, Travis, Travis. T, T, T. What are you doing? T-dog. T dog. T dog. Stop pushing T-Money. buttons. T money. Oh my god! I can't believe I said T dog. T money. Stop it. We sound so cringy <laughs> right now. <laughs> okay. So after this, after T dog starts pushing buttons, the lines on the screen moved. So he pushes another one, and then the lines change angles and move around some more and then it stops. So he just keeps pushing more buttons and then nothing happens. Nothing moves. There's no sounds. So he sits down in the chair and he puts his hand on the lever and he pushes it forward. What are you doing, T-Dog? So when he does that, all the lights in the room start moving downward in unison. And he's like, oh shit. I think I might be driving this spaceship all willy-nilly through the cosmos. I better stop doing that. <laughs> so, then he stops, and, he, and he's just sitting there, I guess. And so, he hears a sound, and he turns around, and standing in the doorway is another human. <gasps> <gasps> yeah. So, it's this, like, super hot guy. He's, like, six feet tall. He's really muscular and perfectly proportioned, okay? And he's wearing, because we are a fashionista over here, Travis. He's wearing a tight... Blue velour suit, cute. Yeah, um, with a with black boots, a belt, and a helmet. Yes, sir. Get it. I like that. Yes, right. So, I know how cute. I I, however, am picturing. Do you ever watch Futurama? I'm thinking about Zap Brannigan. That's okay. what I pictured. <laughs> so, um, so of course Travis is like, "Holy shit, a human!" And he's like, "Oh my gosh, fellow human, what's going on? Help me!" Ah. Oh. And the dude just stands there silently, like a creepazoid, because that's what everybody in the spaceship does, I guess. So then he just takes takes him by the arm and leads him down a hallway into a metal cubicle where they stood silently for a couple minutes when a door opened on the other side of the cubicle. So, space elevator? Maybe. They exit the space elevator. Is that something? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. So they, they leave the space evader and Travis feels fresh air wash over him. And he's like, oh my God, thank God we're outside. But he looks around and turns out he's just in a bigger room full of saucers, flying saucers. Disappointing, probably. Okay. So then they go down another fucking hallway into a room with a table and a chair in it. And what? Huh? Three more humans. So he just like went to someone's house or something. He basically slept walked into someone's house and thinks it's all alien, but really it's just their garage. <laughs> just a bunch of humans. And, and at first he woke up and that was their dog or their baby. they they had a super ugly baby. Oh no. <laughs> Poor ugly baby. We love you anyway. Oh, Babies can't be ugly. I'm sure you grew up to be really hot. I'm going to tell, I'm going to say what I always tell my child is that there's something beautiful about everyone. There's beauty in everybody. Even this ugly ass baby.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Oh my God. So what did T-Money do next?
0: All right. There were two men and a woman wearing also velvety blue onesies. They had no blemishes. They were super smooth skin. No freckles, wrinkles, or scars. They were all very good looking and had a familial resemblance. So, clones probably <laughs> oh god i'm reading my own notes and i'm like what is what was i doing because i've written here and like every other character in this story they were as silent as the stinkiest of farts <laughs> oh my god, i think something. i read too much of travis's writing yeah you've been oh, okay contaminated over there <laughs> so they they silently grab him and put him on yet another table and I've written here, we get it with the hallways and the tables and the beautiful human clones. So, and so they lay him down on yet another table and they put an oxygen mask over his mouth and he passes out. Next thing you know, he's uh, he's awake, laying on the cold pavement on the outskirts of town, which was like miles, a couple miles away from where he first saw the craft. So he looked up and saw the disc hovering above the pavement. It gave off no light. It shot, abruptly shot vertically into the sky and was almost instantly lost from sight. So they were like, bye. Travis, you talk like an eighth grade girl Writes, We're out of here. <laughs> <laughs> we're done with you. We don't want to know anything more about oh. you, T-Money. No, didn't you get it? Everybody up here is quiet. It's like a thing that we do. All right. So he runs up. He runs into town. There's. It's like no one's answering doors. Everything's locked up. He finds a telephone booth at an Exxon station. And it says, by now it was 12.05 a.m. And if you will remember, beginning of this, when they first saw it, was 6.10 p.m. So he dials the operator. He calls his sister. His brother-in-law answers and is like, ha ha, very funny. And he's like, no, I'm serious. Please come get me. And so Travis's brother was like, maybe this isn't a joke. I guess I should go get him. So they drive 33 miles out there to pick him up when he and so when he gets in his car everyone his brother's like everyone is worried sick about you holy shit where have you been and travis answers it's our ar- if it's already after midnight i must have been unconscious for a couple hours because i only remember about an hour or an hour and a half inside that thing and so his brother looks at him strangely and is like dude touch your face you'll feel, feel your face and when he does, he realizes that he has about a week's worth of facial hair on his face. And his Whoa. brother looks at him and says, You've been missing for five days. Bum, bum, bum. Twist. Yeah. Twist. And that is the like boiled down version of what is on the website, which is a boiled down version of his book, Fire in the Sky. So that's the end. I don't know if he went to a hospital, if he told the police or authority figures, but he definitely told the media, and wrote two books, and made a documentary, and then helped write the 1993 movie based on his book, and then he went on a bunch of TV shows. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've, I remember when you described it, I was like, I have seen that movie. I've never seen it. I'll have to watch it after this. Maybe that maybe that can be a like yeah. a bonus episode where we watch Fire in the Sky and Mystery yes! Science Theater 3000 it. That'll be fun. Okay, let's do it. So, you know, I have to lay a little bit of a science turd. I'm not going to get too much into it. Just to say that the National Enquirer gave him and his co workers a $5,000 prize for best UFO case of the year after they allegedly passed polygraph tests. Some people do believe he was abducted by aliens. People thought that he had been murdered by his co-workers and all of the people that were there saw the spacecraft. They took polygraph tests and they all passed except for one which was inconclusive. So that's the evidence on the foreside. So, you know, by now that I have to, just one little rabbit turd of science that I have to poop or skepticism because even though I do totally believe that there's got to be life on another planet and I am super fucking stoked about the idea Especially if it's intelligent life. That would be amazing. Because to me, thats it's scary. These stories are scary. But I'm also like, yes, aliens, please be cool and come down here and hang out with us and help us. You help! <laughs> please, God. <laughs> so another UFO researcher has considered Walton's story to be a hoax because he says there are discrepancies in the accounts of Walton and his co workers and that the polygraph tests were poorly administered. Um, and he could have done, there's like apparently stuff you can do, like hold your breath that will change the result of a polygraph test. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't, I am not inclined to believe those. Oh, there's a cognitive psychologist that alien, that says alien abduction reports began only after extraterrestrials started appearing in films and on TV and that he was influenced by all the stuff that was going on at the time. Paramount Pictures decided his account was too fuzzy and too similar to other televised Close Encounters, so they got they had someone jazz it up a little bit. They're like, it sounds like everybody else's story, Travis. We need some pizzazz. Let's put some sequins on these alien suits. Yes! So, 30 years after the book came out, he appeared on a Fox game show called The Moment of Truth, and he was asked... If he was in fact abducted to which he replied with yes. And I feel like Maury right now because the lie detector test determined that was a lie. (laughs) So also people in town, like the sheriff and other people knew him and his family as being obsessed with aliens. And they were longtime students of UFOs. So people think he, you know, Either he rigged it with one other guy to, like, convince the other dude so it would sound like a good story, or they made it up to get the $5,000. Also, last hmm. last point in against him. The abduction provided the much-needed, quote, act of God that enabled the logging contractor to avoid costly penalties due to the crew falling far behind schedule on their trip. Tree-thinning mission.
1: Oh, this is all a tree-thinning conspiracy the whole
0: time. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, I gotta ask, is any of that real?
1: Oh, Travis, Trevor, T-Money. Um, <laughs> I think that one's maybe not real, because, well, the only thing I would want to know about that is that what about the sister and the brother-in-law? Like, did they really think he was missing? Have they taken any lie detector tests? Were, are they lying? Are they faking it? Because the more people who are in on it, the more they have to lie and then people aren't very good at keeping secrets. So I wonder what their deal is, you know? Totally. It does kind of sound like just opportunistic, I guess. But also if I were mm-hmm. abducted or something crazy happened to me and people were offering me money for my story... I'm going to take it. So I don't
0: know. Yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah. Make money off your trauma. But Yeah, there's just a lot of things with his story that I'm like, I don't know, dude. Like, if you were yeah. abducted and gone for five days, wouldn't you go immediately to the hospital and be like, please scan every part of my body like 10,000 times to make sure there's not an implant or a holographic ear that I don't know about?
1: <laughs>
0: Maybe. Um... And
1: also, wouldn't there would have maybe been a missing persons, out for him? I wonder if that exists in any kind of records.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Turkey Buzzards, do you know more about this story than we than, than I got off the internet? Do you, uh, Travis? T Dog, t Money, are you out there? Can you t- answer these questions for us? Yeah.
1: If you're out there, I'm sorry that I called you Trevor. And, um, and also, what
0: town did you say it was in? I don't know if I did say. Let me look. Apache Sitgreaves National Forest. I didn't even say what state it was in, did I? Jeez. Look at me being so informative.
1: If any law enforcement from that area has any access to records of the time, was there a missing persons out for Travis? Yeah, email us.
0: <laughs> let us know. Oh my gosh. Poor T-Dog. dog. Alright. We do have a little a little tea tiny thing to read. From a listener, one of our favorite, loyal, beautiful listeners. Listener stories from Patricia. All right. First, she says, OMG, I also read Stephen King in the eighth grade. Yes, sister. That's why we're all weird and obsessed with creepy things. She says here, gross life story. No ticks, but eggs the foster kitten. Barfed on my head while I was sleeping last week. Pretty sure it was him. (laughs) Definitely was cat barfing my hair. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Patricia, I'm so sorry that happened to you.
1: I'm really sorry about that. That's very gross. Yeah, last um, episode, I think it was last episode, we asked specifically or two episodes ago we asked for your life is gross stories and patricia came through with a cat barf in the hair and that's heck that is a good one patricia
0: thank you and we weren't kidding Mm -hmm. we're gonna read them if you send us a life is gross story we will read it i don't i mean i think i'm sure a cat has barfed on me before i know a human has several times (laughs) because you have a child it's not even just children I have a friend who used to, every time I saw him anywhere, would just walk up to me and start going, uh, uh, because he barfed on me once. <laughs> oh, it was sweet. Just a little That's bit really on my sweet. foot. Yeah. He's a sweet guy. He is, actually.
1: Uh, but if you want to send us your life is gross moments, um, you can email us at noneofthisisrealpodcast at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and slide into our DMs. Uh, you can also join the facebook group
0: none of this is real podcast yes please join the facebook group and we can all everyone can talk to each other
1: support us on patreon if you got an extra dollar a month or a couple three dollars or whatever um review rate
0: subscribe please we love you yes please we would really appreciate any support you can give us and we do appreciate the support you've already given us we love you so much Seriously, this is very special to me. I'm going to be sincere for a millisecond, and then back to not. I love all of you turkey
1: buzzards so much that I feel that I need to tell you this. You don't have to believe in any
0: of this. Oh, my God. Please, seriously, don't. But I really do want you to believe on yourself, okay? Believe all over yourself. It'll feel really good. Everybody's doing it. Oh, Oh my God. Gross. Stop. Bye. Bye. <gasps> <laughs> Goodbye. Chris, do you have a favorite conspiracy theory? Oh, a- that, that there's life That's in good. outside of her That That's there's a- life out there. I like it. Thank you. you. There has to. <laughs>